0: We turn in God's Word this evening to Hebrews chapter 10. Once again, this morning we read the first 18 verses, excuse me, the first 18 verses of Hebrews chapter 10. This evening we're going to pick it up at verse 19 and read through verse 25. This morning, uh, in terms of the Reformation, we were seeking to, to be reminded that in the Reformation, the Reformers were seeking to recover Christ as the Savior. Tonight, one of the other things that the Reformers were seeking to do is to recover Christ as the great High Priest. for that also had been lost in the church. And then next Lord's Day evening, Lord willing, we'll come back to this theme and look back to the 13th verse about making His enemies His footstool and reminding ourselves that the Reformers also sought to recover the teaching that Christ is indeed Lord. And we'll need that next Sunday evening as well. But tonight it's Christ as the great High Priest, starting then at... Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, In full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's fire the reading of God's Word. Let's again bow in prayer.
1: Our dear Heavenly Father, when we think of all of the sacrifices that were made to you, the bulls, the rams, the lambs, especially when the temple was dedicated. We think of the much, much blood that was spilt. We realize, Lord, that not one drop of that could do anything to save our lives, to save our souls. It took one man, one man who gave of his own life, to come to this world, to go to the cross. Through his blood, Lord, we gained the eternal hope of redemption that we have in you. Where one man brought sin in the world, you brought redemption. We thank you for these words. We pray that you'll give Pastor Bob the words of clarity, a clear mind, and the words that will help us to understand the words that you have in your holy word. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.
0: If I'm living 499 years ago, I am being told by my church, I am being told by my priest that in order for God to hear, I must come to him through my priest. I cannot just go to God and confess my sin. I must go to my priest and confess my sin to my priest. I'm told that in order to pray, I myself am not near good enough to pray. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the ability Therefore, I must implore one of the saints to pray on my behalf. I must even implore the mother of Jesus, Mary, in order to pray on my behalf. That was the teaching of the church. 499 years later, sadly, if I still attended that same church, I would be told the very same thing. Only by this time, some 499 years later, there now are some 11,000 saints out of which I can choose whether I. I'm going on a long trip, perhaps then I'll need to be praying to St. Christopher. Named after, obviously, St. Christopher Columbus is what they did in the church. Some of you remember the days in which we could identify those who belonged to a Catholic church as they drove around our communities, because on their dashboard... They carried a little replica of St. Christopher, the one who would bless their travel. Every once in a while, perhaps you take a note of notices in in our newspapers even of prayers that are offered to St. Jude for healing. That's why we have St. Jude's Children's Hospitals because supposedly St. Jude is the one that you pray to in order to have healing and recovery. Or if you've lost something, something of value that you want to find, then you pray to St. Anthony of Padilla. And he's the one who is the recoverer of lost treasurers. So if you need that assistance, that's the saint to whom you pray to, along with any one of the other 11,000 plus. But if you're really in need, Particularly in need of salvation, then the one you must pray to is Mary. Mary is the one that you must go to. Mary is the one that is the one who is indeed the benefactress. She is I don't know how you say medi- mediator in the feminine, but in the Catholic catechism they use the term and I just can't even pronounce how they how it's spelled. But it, it's the feminized form of the word mediator that's who she is she is the female who brings about mediation as I said 499 years ago the reformers looked at God's word and searched God's word and failed to find a single notice in which prayer was to be offered in that regard nor confession given in that way Sadly, the Council of Trent, as I mentioned this morning, the church had the opportunity, the Catholic church did, to react to the Reformation and perhaps acknowledge, you know, maybe we got a little bit off track here. Maybe we went a little bit too far. Maybe we, you're right, we've got to go back to Scripture and, and where there needs to be a little bit of a Reformation here. Sadly, instead of that, they went a little bit further with all of that. So here we are, 499 years later, still existing with a a Catholic church with the same set of beliefs that were there 499 years ago. But now we have an alternative. Those of us who are part of the Protestant faith, part of the Protestant church, we have a new understanding of this avenue of prayer. But one wonders if perhaps the problem has just shifted. It's not so much a a problem of praying to the wrong people as saints or to Mary. Now it's simply the lack of prayer altogether. Indeed, I think it probably is pretty sad. Oh, I know there are some of you who are very faithful prayer warriors. You are to be commended. For that. But I think perhaps too many of us, if our schedules were laid out and we really analyzed how much time in this past week did we actually spend in prayer, perhaps too many of us would be very embarrassed to note how little time we have spent in prayer. And my guess is, my friends, we're probably above average. So here's the sad reality. We have this great blessing of prayer, and the church rarely uses it. And although I'm not one that's real big on community services, Because generally, what happens is we in the Reformed faith get roped into a community service where we have to swallow a whole lot of liturgical stuff that, quite frankly, we just just don't believe in. The Lord has given to us an opportunity this year to do something quite historic. This coming Thursday, eight Reformed denominations will gather together. These eight denominations have never been together before. I want you to note that. And that stirring, my friends, is of the Lord. The Lord is desiring to do something. And he is pleased to begin it with us. But you know, those are all just words. Until we come to a realization of what the author of Hebrews is telling us in verses 19, 20, and 21. Let me read them again. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Three things from this passage this evening. First of all, the open curtain. That will be our first point. Secondly, that we have the right to enter. That's our second point. And third point is that we have the right to enter through the one who is indeed the true high priest. First, the open curtain. Now a curtain that is being referred to here is a divider You'll recall that where this chapter began, back in verse 1, but since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of those realities, we are immediately, in chapter 10, but throughout the book of Hebrews, drawn back into the Old Testament. We're drawn back into the Old Testament priesthood, we're drawn back into the Old Testament law, and we're drawn back into the Old Testament form of worship even as we were this morning with sacrifices. Only in this section, the author is drawing us more to the work of the priest. Not so much the sacrifice here, but the work of the priest. And he's drawing us back again to that tabernacle. And we could use the temple model, but so I don't have to keep saying tabernacle, temple. I'm just going to say tabernacle each time. We're drawn back to that model of the tabernacle. That which God ordered the construction of. That which God was the architect of. That which God laid out the plans of. That which God gifted men and women in order to be able that they could contribute their skills and talents and knowledge in the construction of that tabernacle. And in that tabernacle was a curtain. And that is the curtain that is being referenced here. That curtain formed a great divide. For where that curtain stood was here. You had the tabernacle structure. You had that outside part of the tabernacle, as I mentioned this morning, known as the holy place. Inside of that, is where the Ark of the Covenant, where the Shekinah glory of God, where God's very presence amongst his people was manifest in glorious light. There, between those two rooms, was the curtain. That curtain was a divider. It wasn't just a divider between the most holy place and the holy place. That it was. But it served as a greater divider. And the greater divide was this. Between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. God was depicting for these Israelites in that tabernacle the fact that He was the God who was holy. He was the God who was apart from all sin. He was the God who was perfect in all of his attributes. And he needed to be separated from sinful people, from sinful humanity. God was picturing that with that divider. Israelites could never enter that room. You grew up in the tribe of Reuben. You never got to go into that room. Grew up in the tribe of Judah. Never got to go in that room. Grew up in Asher, Naphtali. Never got to go in that room. Only one man, one time a year, got to enter into that room. And that man had to be from the tribe of Levi. That man had to be related to Aaron. That man had to wear special clothing. That man had to go through special ceremonies of consecration and of washing. That man had to offer sacrifices and sacrifices and sacrifices for his own self before he could enter into that room. God was picturing, okay, I'm going to let one person in, but the only person I'm going to let in is this high priest. And let me tell you how special it is to enter into this room. He's got to have special clothes. He's got to be from a special family. He's got to be especially consecrated. He's got to go through washings. It's the only way I'll let him in. That curtain that is being spoken of here in verse 19, excuse me, in verse 20, is a curtain that was a divider. But secondly, we are being told that this curtain has been opened. It's an open curtain. That was pictured for us, was it not, in Matthew chapter 27, where at the death of Jesus, at the moment of Jesus' death, that curtain is torn from top to bottom. Special note is given to us of that in in Matthew. And, And one of you as a parishioner asked one time, how it is that we know it was torn from top to bottom? Was it the way in which it was torn? And I think for for that individual, I've, I've found an answer to that question. In the book of Acts, we read that after Pentecost and after the church began to grow, that there were many priests who came to the faith. And I think that little piece of information, of the fact that the curtain was torn from top to bottom, It's probably a piece of information that had been passed on in the priesthood of those who had been standing outside, waiting, watching, and seeing that curtain literally torn. It's a torn curtain. The passage in Hebrews tells us that the reason the curtain is torn is because of a new and living way that was opened to us through Jesus' flesh. In other words, that way into that most holy place is not found through the law. We will never be able to enter the holy place, the most holy place, by our obedience to the law. The only way, through Jesus. That is our entry. No other person, no other human being gives us access. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us, it is the work of Jesus Christ to open up this curtain a curtain, that, as I've mentioned before, at the time of Jesus that stood there in the temple was the width of a man's hand. A great divide opened up when he gave his body, when he surrendered. Not when it was taken, but when he surrendered himself to the Father in his death. The new and living way, through Christ who is the living one, is opened. The open curtain. Secondly, look at the beginning of 19. Because the curtain is now open, we have confidence to enter. We have the right to enter. Because of the work of Christ, you and I can do that which an Israelite could never have done. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be an Israelite? Sitting there in your tent and looking at that tabernacle and thinking, I wonder what it's like on the inside of that. I wonder what it must be like to be in God's presence. What must it be like to be and to enter into the very presence of God in this most holy, this most sacred of places? Oh, can you imagine the longing? That must have been in the hearts of many Israelites to to long for that. To wonder what what that must be like. But no, there always stood a curtain. They could never enter. They could never go beyond. you imagine what the longing must have been like in their hearts? Oh, only... I were a Levite, if only I I were of the tribe of Aaron, oh, I might have the opportunity that but once a year, oh, I might have that opportunity to enter in to that very presence of God. Verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter The holy places. We can enter. We have the right, and we can have the confidence of knowing that we might enter into that most holy place. How? What does the author of Hebrews say? By the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. See, on the day of atonement, the priest, having consecrated himself with sacrifices, having gone through all the ceremonial washings that he had to go through, through putting on all of the attire that needed to be put on as the attire, then had to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. And then he had to take. The blood of the goat had to take it in a bowl. He had to approach that curtain with the bowl out front. He had to go to the side and brush the curtain away with the blood preceding him. And then as he enters, he stands there with the blood. He takes that blood and seven times sprinkles it upon the mercy seat. Then with the blood, he exits. God told them that without the blood, he will surely die. The likelihood is, seeing we have no recorded evidence of the fact that anyone ever tried to enter without the blood, the evidence would suggest the fact that What God is saying is you will die before you even get around the corner. You can't enter into my presence. I will not allow you into my presence without the blood. We have the right to enter by the blood of Jesus. We have access to the very presence of of God through the blood of Jesus go back one chapter Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 let's go back to 11 12 is the verse but 11 sets the context but when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come then through the greater and more perfect tent tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. See, by His own blood, Christ, by His own blood, by the offering of Himself, tears the curtain so that you and I may now enter where no Israelite other than that high priest could ever enter. By the blood of Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, the very first announcement to Joseph about Jesus, and you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The author of Hebrews is reminding us that this is not some figment, this is not some spiritualization, but it is through that one sacrifice, as we looked at this morning, of Jesus, through the shedding of His blood, that you and I have the right to enter into the holy places. Verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. See, there is an open curtain through which you and I can enter because there is indeed a great priest. And as Hebrews points out to us over and over and over again, that great priest, that superior priest, is in fact Jesus Christ again. So let me point out two things about his priesthood. One, his priesthood is permanent. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 16, we would learn that his priesthood is is permanent because it is indestructible because he is indestructible. We learn from Hebrews 7, 18 and 19 that his priesthood is permanent because there is no flaw in his priesthood. His priesthood is a priesthood of perfection. In other words, the priesthood of Jesus Christ never ends. It is ongoing. It is continual. It is indeed eternal. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24. And we read these words. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. You see, and the reformers heard this, they saw this. and they said, "We have our priest. We have the one to whom we go to. We don't go to a saint, we don't go to Mary. We don't go to our local priest. Why? Because we have the right to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. In fact, the acceptance of that whole system would be a denial of the eternal priesthood of Jesus Christ. It would be to say there is something deficient in the work of Christ. There is something lacking in the person of Christ. Christ cannot handle, perhaps, all the requests. So he needs Mary in order to help. Or he needs St. Anthony. Or he needs St. Jude. Or he needs St. Christopher. What a belittling of Christ. What a belittling of Jesus was taking place. And the reformers said, no, the word of God reveals to us the fact that Jesus is our high priest. He's opened the way so that you, you as members of the congregation, so that you as a believer in Jesus Christ have access to the holy place of God. A glorious recovery, a glorious rediscovery of the truth of who Jesus Christ is. The passage concludes with three let us statements. You find one in verse 22, you find one in verse 23. And then you find one in verse 24. And with that, those three things, I'm going to close. I want you to remind you then of his intercession in these three points. One, we are encouraged to pray. Remember what I told you about the Israelite growing up, thinking. must it be like on that day of atonement as the priest to enter, to go behind that curtain to sprinkle that blood in that most holy place my friends every time every time you pray you're there You're there. You're in the glorious presence of God. And you have the right to enter there because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't need anybody else to enter for you. You can enter. You can go. Why? Because the curtain has been torn. The way is now open for you, through the blood of Jesus. You now have access to that most holy place. Communion with God himself. Have you ever thought about prayer in that way? Or do you think about prayer as God up there and I'm down here and i got to try to get my request up to God? No, my friends because of the blood of Jesus because of the priesthood of Jesus we're in the very presence of God think about that it might change the way we pray it might change the manner in which we pray it might change the frequency with which we pray. We get to do something that God did not allow before Christ. We can enter to the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Think, my friends, how would you respond? I asked one person this a few days ago, and they said, I think I'd be stunned to silence. You know, that's what the psalmist said to do, too be still. Just be still and know that I am God. This is not practiced much in, in our view of things, but you know, there, there is an understanding that comes out of the Reformation. The understanding of simply meditating quietly upon the presence of God. You know, what did Jesus warn us? He warned us about too much babbling. He be- warned us about vain repetition when we pray. Jesus did not warn us about silence. Perhaps some of our most beautiful prayer times are still ahead of us when we simply come to God in silence. And we just meditate upon the majesty And that here is the Holy God, the Sovereign Lord of the universe. And I'm in His presence. And I'm not consumed because of the blood of Jesus. We are encouraged to pray and that's what the Reformation brought. It brought about a revival of prayer. It brought about a reformation of prayer. Individual Christians started praying. People in their homes started praying. Families started praying. They got incorporated into the worship service. Something called a congregational prayer. in which the Lord was spoken to in a language that everybody knew and understood. Why? Because they understood they had the right to do so by the blood of Jesus. found the opportunity to be. Reminders. One, we are encouraged to pray. Secondly, we are reminded of the privilege that this is let us draw near with a true heart verse 23 let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful we are reminded that we will never be turned away from the presence of god Because we come to him in the blood of Jesus. God will never turn us away. He's never too busy. Preoccupied. He's always there for us. It's not on special occasions or at special times. On special days. He is always there. And Thirdly, we are called. We are called. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near now let's encourage one another to pray to pray cuz it is indeed great privilege of the people of god because we have a high priest who shed his blood who opened the curtain for us to enter With confidence. Amen? Father, thank you for giving us a Redeemer. Thank you for giving us our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us our great High Priest, your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and honor and praise from this time forth and forevermore. And God's people say, Amen.